This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. Boys are back. Baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is reception. Reception. The show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Go, Matt Harmon here with you. You're listening to Reception Perception, the show. All right, Matt. Uh, week 12 is just about in the books here, but the big storyline uh, is what happened after the games, especially there in Carolina, as David Tepper fires yet another coach. Just burning through coaches, man. Like it's going out of style. David Tepper, he don't care. He fired Ron Rivera, fired Matt Rule, and now he fires Frank Reich after just 11 games. Brody, 11 games? You give Frank Reich, dude? Like you trade away all these assets, you bring in a quarterback that I guess Frank Reich didn't want? Uh, he's got no offensive weapons, and you fire him after just 11 games. Hey, yo, Matt, I know we we, we, we dog on the Panthers. We, we bag on the Panthers. Offense, well, terrible offense, not a good defense either, right? But, I mean, I don't know if anyone was mad at Frank Reich for this whole deal. Like, what is going on, bro? It's, it's a mess there in Carolina. Yeah, <clears throat> well, there's a lot of threads to pull here. First of all, uh, I forgot about Ron Rivera. I mean, that he was technically fired by David Tepper um, in season two. All three of these guys That's are right. in season firing. In season, and and, and the Ron Rivera thing. It's like, okay, look, Ron. I mean, he's about to go through the same experience in Washington, where new ownership comes in and they're you know yeah. sleek and in analytics and modern and all that stuff. And like, Ron's not that coach. Ron Rivera's not that coach. He was. Nope. I'm okay with it. You fired him in season so that you get could get a head start on your coaching search or whatever. Right. Unfortunately, the coaching search landed you to Matt Rule, Matt which Rule. was an right. utter disaster, a complete disaster. And then you overcorrect to the point that then you bring in Frank Reich, who, by the way, Frank Reich, now the Panthers have fired a coach in season in back-to-back years, and Frank Reich has been fired in season in back-to-back years. <laughs> That's right. I read oh God, uh, that right. he's told Scott Fowler, right. longtime Panthers reporter, that this is probably the end of his NFL journey. And I'm like, yeah, buddy. Like, did you see the meme of him back to back? Like how it started and how it's going versus him a couple, a couple weeks ago from an, his introductory press conference to his <laughs> his current 
state of appearance. I mean, he looks like he's aged like a president, you know, like the pictures, especially of Obama when he went into office versus how he came yeah, looking out of yeah. it. All the presidents the, you know, look so good yep. coming in. They look grizzled coming out. That's how Frank Reich looked after like nine games as Carolina Panthers head coach. Crazy. <clears throat> and obviously, like I said, it was just, this was a staff that by and large was praised, you know, when it was, when it was assembled, yeah. people were really high on it. And it was clear that, uh, David Tepper had spent out the ass to as- assemble this staff, you know, to the, that one of the edges that Tepper, who, you know, is a, such a smart guy because he manages like hedge funds or whatever. I mean, okay, whatever. Uh, you know, the whole Wall Street <laughs> stuff. I don't, I don't buy into any of that, but whatever. <laughs> smart, smart guy because that's a, one of the edges he realized was that, you know, there's no salary cap on coaching staffs. You can coaching. Pay, you can pay right. coaches whatever you want. Well, congratulations, pal. You're going to be paying a bunch of coaches who don't work for you anymore because coaching staffs are guaranteed. Their salaries are guaranteed. So, like, right. he's going to be paying Frank. Frank Gregg's going to be get, making a lot of money to not do anything. I would love for to sure. make money to not work. That's what Frank Gregg's going to be doing. So, <laughs> I will say that, you know, this is a staff that was supposed to be great. It obviously, you know, the results on the field are the results on the field. And there's a lot of stuff to pull through there. I, I will just say that it was not a fun watch from a structure perspective. I know they don't have good players, but you know, obviously Reich has a hand in assembling some of these players. Like he talked up signing DJ Chark, you know, that this was a guy he had targeted for years. He definitely was a part of drafting Jonathan Mingo and then playing him in the incorrect role. Although I don't know that any role could have fixed whatever Mingo was trying to do. Did you see that catch that he tried to make on the sideline and like toe taps out of bounds? Just not working out for Jonathan Mingo. Chark was never going to be a positive force in the offense. Like they just have so many mid players there, like mid at best players there, you know? And I get that they don't have good players, but conceptually, structurally, like this was a very static offense that just ran out in 11 personnel and never motioned. Like if you're going to be that static from a personnel perspective, you either have to be a, the LA Rams, like from the early Jared Goff days where it's like, we're going to motion the hell out of you. And we're going to do all kinds of stuff to change the picture. We're going to move receivers around. Panthers never did that. Or you have to be, and we've talked about this a lot with this team. You have to be the Bengals where you have, okay, we play 11 personnel every single snap and never do right. anything because our players are better than you. Well, the Panthers players aren't yeah. better than anybody. So I don't <laughs> think Frank Reich was doing a particularly good job from an offensive design standpoint, from um, a play calling standpoint. I mean, they called a screen pass on fourth and six at the end of the game. What is that? Like, yeah. w- what are we doing know. here? There, there has been no, some rough yeah. showing from, and you know, Reich, like, has the play calling duties. He gives it to Thomas Brown. He takes it back. Nothing good was going on there, but like nothing good could have happened here for the Carolina Panthers because it all comes back to David Tepper and the fact that whether they said it or not, this staff did not. And all the guys that got cleared out was like Josh McCown and Deuce Staley, mm-hmm. like all of the Reich guys, they all got cleaned out today because they, they all wanted CJ Stroud. Whether they said it or not, they all wanted Stroud and Tepper. Like they're take. This is how this stuff works. Your team is taking a quarterback number one overall. You're taking whoever the owner wants, unless unless they're actually a good owner and they get out of the way. But most good owners don't have the first overall pick. And I know the Panthers didn't earn the first overall pick, but 
they were pretty close. They were close enough to trade yeah. up to it, you know? So right. I think, and I also think that Tepper was stupid enough to believe that because the Panthers were close to winning the NFC, the NFC South, the <laughs> NFC South last year, because they had a cutesy uh-huh. little run at the end of the year. Not yeah. that you bought into the coach. You must've bought into the players that they were close to being a contending team. They weren't close. They weren't a quarterback away. They weren't even close to a quarterback away. So, yeah. And, and even then they still took the quarterback that I don't think the, the coaching staff ever really wanted. And they, they operated that way, you know, all year. So a lot of, a lot of threads to pull here with the Panthers, man, but what a nightmare. 11 games. He uh, didn't even I, last as long as urban Meyer. That's crazy. That's crazy, man. 11 games. It's just, it's unbelievable. Uh, bad management, obviously from David Tepper. I, I it, it's almost like, you know what it's like? It's like, okay. So just to kind of go back to this business world where, which he understands very well, right? It's like you hired a, uh, a, a, a high level engineer to be your CEO. And then you said, okay, well, I really want you to focus in on marketing. It's like, dog, if you want to do that, go get yourself a marketing guy to be the CEO. You can't get this guy to be your CEO, a guy who's worked with, you know, pocket passers, big statuesque, big throwers, big arm guys, and then say, well, we want you to work with this really undersized guy that we think has some uh, uh, upside and some potential. He does. Frank Reich doesn't know what to do with this quarterback. Yeah. Doesn't know what to do with this quarterback. You hired the wrong guy. And then, listen, you might not have hired the wrong coaching staff because I, I actually think that, you know, Frank Reich and McCown and Deuce Daly, I, I feel like that could that could work. It's just, then get out of the way. Right. Just after that. They just get out of the way. It, you know, if you're going to hire him, you got to understand, okay, he wants a certain type of quarterback. If you don't understand that, then you don't understand football. If you don't understand football to that level, which is by, it's not high level football we're talking. It's just, you don't even understand football to that degree. Brother, you got to get out of the way, man. You got to get out of the way. You're only hurting yourself. You're only hurting your team and you're hurting your fan base. A hundred percent. And it, you know, like David Tepper and his wife are going to like all of the you know, the, the quarterback, like pro days and talking to these guys. And I get it. You want to be comfortable with like the face of your franchise and all this stuff, but sure. But you just, you can't be involved in the decision at that level and you can't do it. You know, you know that this guy bought into like the S2 cognition Buzzfeed quiz as Kevin Clark called it on Twitter (laughs) that I saw. Like, you know that, you know, hedge fund analytics, I love the numbers, all this stuff. You know, he bought into that. And obviously like, that's just so beyond a football thing. And look, I don't know that CJ Stroud would be having the level of success that he is having with the Houston Texans if he was in a oh, Carolina he he no, Panthers uniform because yeah, like no they don't have anybody that's even sniffing what Nico Collins and Tank Dell can do. Like they just, they right. don't. And this was my point all along with Adam Thielen when we talked about him a few weeks ago, or like probably a few months ago now at this point. It's like your right. sentiment was, I mean, Adam Thielen is balling out. It's like, well, Adam Thielen is producing numbers because like, somebody's got to, you know, he's not an impact player at this point. He has one catch in a great matchup against the Tennessee Titans. Like the, mm. the, the film doesn't match like the stat sheet. That was clear. Like he's not playing like a top 10 receiver. I don't know. I wouldn't even say if you sat down and ranked NFL receivers right now, do you get to 33 year old Adam Thielen before you get to like receiver 35? I, I don't know, man. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty tough. And and that was their most productive player by a long shot. That's how bad things yeah. were here. So 
Um, this has been a bad offense all year. And yeah, Frank Reich sure. is responsible for overseeing that. Um, but I, here's the problem now for the future for the Panthers. Like the last coach was can was essentially canned because of the owner's mistake, like mm-hmm. taking Bryce Young at the first overall pick. And now the next right. coach will be tasked. Their number one thing will be, can you make my mistake look good? Can you make my mistake look better or like passable? Right. Which is, that's where we're at right. already, which is going to slice off a bunch of candidates. Okay. I mean, cause the only reason you take the Panthers job is if you really do want to get fired a year later, cause you know, that's possible <laughs> and you want to, you want to get paid to not work. That's why you take the Panthers job. Or maybe you were like a huge Bryce young fan. I don't know, but you know, Ben Johnson, who's probably going to be the number one candidate this off season, already turned the yeah. Panthers down last year. What, wow. what, what has happened in the last year that makes you think he's going to change his mind? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You're right. There's going to be a, a lot of young candidates that um, that are not going to find this job appealing. But, bro, there's only 32 of these gigs. Yeah. There's only 32 of these gigs. And, and these openings, I know they happen every single year, but you just never know. You know, sometimes coordinators are hot and when they're hot, you got to strike. Right. And then, and then, you know, sometimes these coordinators, they have a one great year and then the next year they fall off and then all of a sudden they're not a head coaching candidate. Right. So man, there's not too many of these gigs, man. So I get it. Uh, uh, Some of these guys, uh, they might be, you know, they might be cocky and say, ah, man, I'm good. I'm great. And you know, I'll just wait for the right opportunity. Sometimes that opportunity never comes. Totally. Sometimes that opportunity. So uh, again, and I do wonder if David Tepper actually tries to go back into the college ranks to go find somebody. I wouldn't be surprised if he does that again, uh, despite the fact that he failed with Matt Rule. I, 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 he, I feel like he's got the ego to be like, you know what, you know what, he just wasn't the right guy. I could find the right guy uh, from the college ranks, which I, I think might happen. I don't know. We, we'll find out. We'll find out. Um, anyways, Carolina Panthers uh, obviously down bad right now. Um, not really a lot to take of it. Their offense was already in the tank and I I would imagine it's just going to be this uh, most of the same stuff. It's going to be bad. I don't see a lot of, there's not a silver, uh, not a bunch of silver linings here in Carolina's offense, right? Like Jonathan Mingo, still a project guy, you know, DJ Chark is, you know, end of the bench type of X receiver, Adam Thielen, who, um, you know, again, I, I think he had a little bit of a career resurgence because he lined up in the right spot. This year as a slot man uh, was a good, uh, you know, addition for them. And then the running back room is, is bad. Their O-line is bad. There, there's just not, there's nothing you can take away from this offense that gives you any hope for any kind of midseason turnaround. You know what I mean? No. And I really struggle even conceptually. Like, like I said, I don't love what they were doing from a route perspective. Like they, it's a lot of just stick routes. It's a lot of just turn back to the quarterback you know, sit in zone coverage. There's not, they did get Jonathan Mingo on a couple of these plays last week where he's going, you know, horizontal, where he's running crossers and like, that's what he needs to be to be successful. Mm -hmm. That, that has to be what Jonathan Mingo does, but they weren't doing a lot of that. It was a lot of like hitches and go routes and stuff like that, which I don't even think really plays into Bryce Young's strength because you need to get him passing over the middle and you need, you know, but he's short, you know, that's obviously tough. It's, he was a great, he was a great collegiate passer over the middle. It's just like, 
I don't know if he's going to be a great passer in the NFL <laughs> over the middle. And you know, listen, he, man, a lot a lot of these quarterbacks are going to look pretty good sitting behind that Alabama offensive line, throwing to these Alabama wide receivers, right. playing against defenses that are not very good. A lot of these dudes are going to look great doing that, man. That's why the whole college quarterback, you know, it, it, it's it's one of the. I want to say it's one of the least transferable skills that we see uh, from going from college to the pros. You know, it's just you just don't always see it, man. Like guys can be super productive uh, in a super clean pocket, throwing to bomb ass athletes that are just out athleting Zach the other Wilson, guy across. Zach him. Wilson, <laughs> Zach Wilson. I mean, he's the number one candidate. And uh, honestly, James, on the inverse yeah. too, like you didn't get a lot of reps of CJ Stroud working in chaos. And we're going to talk about the Jags and Texans here in just a second, but like, yeah, there's very few quarter. I mean, this guy's a freaking rookie and there's very few quarterbacks that are better working in chaos right now than Stroud. So it's a really hard thing to quantify. It's a really hard thing to evaluate but yeah, I mean, Bryce young behind a bad offensive line in the NFL has just been a, a nightmare. I mean, he's disaster. He gets to the back of his drop and he's already under pressure and, the, the real problem with him, like, I don't love this about Caleb Williams as a player. And look, I'm no quarterback expert evaluating prospects to the league, okay? But I don't love that he is, like, always in creation and chaos mode. But at least you think he, like, he's got the physical tools to do that and probably, like, do yeah. that on Sunday. Bryce was just never that guy. Like, you know, so no. that's really where we're at a problem is that like, I think if he was a Kyler Murray athlete with a Kyler Murray arm, maybe mm-hmm. he's at, and not that Murray's playing perfect football right now, but you get the point. Like he, he could probably survive in a bad ecosystem. It's just like, yep. <laughs> the Panthers are going to go into the, the off season thinking, how can we elevate our quarterback that we took number one overall? And no young quarterback can do it all on their own, but it's just so you're just so down bad when you traded away your number one receiver. You also traded yeah. away your the one of the best players in the league in Christian McCaffrey. In part, you get these draft picks that you made yourself feel okay parting with other draft picks to go get Bryce Young. You trade away your number one receiver. You trade away Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. You now left right. your roster bare. No, oh, by the way, you're probably going to get the number one overall pick this year, and you can't take Marvin Harrison, right? You can't no. like just, all right, this is the best receiver prospect since Calvin Johnson, probably, allegedly. That's what they say. We can't even think – you can't even do the photoshops of him in the Panthers uniform because it's not going to happen. <laughs> and, like, you don't even have a first-round pick to – I mean, you might have the top – you might have to take the top pick of the second round and trade it to T. Higgins, trade it to the Bengals when they franchise tag T. Higgins and say we're also going to pay oh, you – we're going to pay T. Higgins, uh, you know, damn Devontae Adams money. And, like, Crazy. he's not that player. So you have to go into this offseason now thinking we have to do things to make this work. And that's a rough spot when you're in the position that the Panthers are in when you took this guy number one overall. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you don't have assets, uh, but you have a, an owner who is impatient, you're almost in an impossible situation. This is, a, this is a complete rebuild. This is a team that needs to rebuild for the next three years and just kind of suck for the next two. Have a little hope for year three. Th- that's not what this owner wants, clearly after he let go of a coach after just 11 games. Um, Okay, so Carolina Panthers, down bad. Uh, No one wants to be in a Carolina Panthers situation. But over the next three years, Matt, I'll throw this out to you. We saw a great game, man, between the Jags and the Texans. Really fun game, back-and-forth battle. Both quarterbacks came up big. I thought both quarterbacks played great football. Um, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, Jags, Texans. We're going to see this for many years to come. I'll just throw it out there. I'll throw it out here for you, though. Who would you rather be for the next three years? Would you rather be the Jags? Would you rather be the Texans? It's a really hard question because I'm a fan of both these quarterbacks. I like both of the um, infrastructures of these teams, too. I have a lot of faith in both head coaches, um, D'Amico Ryans and Doug Peterson. I think they're both net positives for their for their teams you can definitely nitpick some of the job some of the things that the coach both coaching staffs have done we've certainly done that about the Jags offense with Press Taylor as the offensive coordinator um yeah. this season and you can do that on the Texans side too they they run the ball a lot on first down I probably would have left the game in CJ Stroud's hands and on fourth and 12 and not right. that field goal so you can nitpick these coaching staffs but I think by and large like you're you're on crack if you don't think that D'Amico Ryans has been a huge part of the reason why the, the Texans have been right, this right, good this right. year. This good, this quickly, especially on defense. I mean, my God, James, we're talking about one of the games of the year was Jags-Texans, one of the most important games of the year. I mean, the Texans <laughs> are involved in this. There has been no more irrelevant franchise right. to two years prior to Ryans and Stroud getting there. So it's tough. I also think from a front office perspective, I think both front offices have done goofy things the Nick Serio led Texans and the um, Jacksonville oh led Trent Balky led Jaguars for sure. Oh God. But I still yeah. think I probably like the work Casario has done in the long term than what <laughs> some of the funny things that Trent Balky has done. I think, I don't know about you. I think I go Texans that I'd want to be them over the next three years more than the Jags, just because one, you're still going to have almost all cheap years there with C.J. Stroud over the next three. Mm-hmm. Um, T- Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be asking for, you know, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow money yeah. at the end of this right. year because yeah. right. that bill's come due for him. I also yep. think I like Trevor Lawrence, but I think what C.J. Stroud has shown as a rookie is better than anything that Trevor Lawrence has shown in the NFL. 
which goes to show you how difficult quarterback mm. evaluation it can be because Trevor Lawrence is the chosen one, generational prospect, best prospect to Andrew Luck, John Elway, the whole thing. And I think CJ Stroud's just straight up been better as a rookie than Trevor Lawrence has ever been at the NFL level. I also think here's, – here's a good question for you. Yeah. The f- top two receivers on both teams, Tank Dell – Nico Collins, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk. <laughs> All of those guys uh-huh. together. What's right. the rank yeah. of those players one to four? Yeah, no, you're right. Um, and, 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 and I would definitely say that, um, yeah, you want to rank those four guys. I might go, I might actually go Nico Collins, one Christian Kirk, two, um, Calvin, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, do, buddy. Do I go Calvin Ridley three? Yeah. Okay, t- Tank Dell three, Calvin Ridley four. Um, and I and I almost I almost went Calvin Ridley three just out of de- like veteran deference. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I, I said it's, it's awfully hard to say that um that that he's been better than Tank Dell this year. And I think I would probably go. I think if we're having this conversation, like, let's put it this way. If we're having this conversation 365 days from now, I uh-huh. think it's Nico tank Dell in some order. Those guys are so close. I honestly don't want to get into the like, yeah, but who is better? Because you know, I hate yeah. the Like you have to like one receiver. No, no, no. I like both these receivers and you can get the hell off yeah. my lawn. Okay. So, but I think if 365 days from now, we're talking, it's Nico, it's Tank Dell in some order. I still, I think it's Calvin Ridley, and then I think it's Christian Kirk, just because Ridley can give you more dynamism outside and stuff like that. For sure. Um, but either way, we're putting a Texan in the top. Like it's not, it's not a clear cut answer there. And <laughs> no. like Tank Dell has room yeah. to grow. Nico Collins, I still think has room to grow. Yep. I think that Ridley and Kirk are probably in their prime or um you know their their best days may be behind this time next year like we might have already right. seen the best of these guys in the nfl Agreed. i still think there are ceilings that have yet to be reached for these two receivers so and by the way like ridley's not a lock to be on this roster next year you know uh yeah, he's, crazy. he's not a um he's he's not a lock to be on the roster he's a free agent they have to resign him what type of contract do you give calvin ridley after this year who like right now is on a heater and, and has been really good but um you know he hasn't been consistently good and they super inconsistent and oh they God. and i don't Crazy. think a lot of that is on him i think a lot of that is on coaching and deployment and stuff so we'll see uh kirk is obviously is on a big money deal but like tank dell's a rookie you don't have to think about extending that guy for a while. Like Nico Collins still has another year uh, on his rookie contract because he's only right. been in the year three uh, league three years, and he was a, a was a third round pick or fourth round pick. Either way, he was he was he's not a day one draft pick, so he's got one more year left on his deal. So that's pretty nice. Like they can keep that band together for a long time. And like I said on the show, I think that duo was good enough with C.J. Stroud. So um, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I, I kind of think the answer is the Texans. Well, you know what's interesting? Uh, so you talk about Christian Kirk, um, and there's been a lot uh, made about Zay Jones as well. The, I, I would, I swear to God, I think they're going to cut Zay Jones um, after this season. Oh, yeah. Um, he was like arrested it, recently too, you know? I mean. Yeah, so I, I would just say his contract is not team-friendly at all next year, right? So I would I would be stunned if they actually don't cut him. Um, and if they try to eat that contract again in 2024. So we're talking about a very 
different looking pass catching group potentially there in Jacksonville. Listen, they could run it back if they make a deep run this postseason. Um, by the way, they're in position to do so. I mean, they're one of what three different teams that are eight and three in the AFC. There's only the only the Baltimore Ravens have a better record um, at nine. Uh, what is it? Nine and three. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it, whatever. You you guys know what I'm saying. They the Ravens got nine wins, and uh, the Jaguars are among three other teams that's got eight wins. Right. So, um. Yeah, it, it's it could be a very different looking group, but the Jacks could make a a pretty deep postseason run. So that's why we say, okay, what about the next three years? Because this year it feels like the Jaguars are a lot closer mm-hmm. uh, than the Houston Texans are. Although, although maybe not that much further along, <laughs> uh, really. But can I just say this, Matt? I've been in this game long enough. You have been in this game long enough to know that. When a quarterback or an offense catches the league by storm, a lot of times, man, they're just the teams that they're facing are not ready for them. There's just not a lot of tape. There's not a lot of tendencies put on tape yet. So what does this look like? And I'm not saying that this is true of Mm -hmm. C.J. Stroud or the Texans. I'm just saying I've been at this long enough to know um, that unless a guy, unless C.J. Stroud is that dude, he is the baddest man in, in a Texans. Unless he's that guy, the league is going to catch up to him just a little bit. right? They're going to figure out some tendencies, things that he likes to do, and, and take those away. Does he have it in him to, to offer up a counterpunch? Right now, 12 weeks into his rookie campaign, it's been so impressive. But like I said, man, we've seen a lot of great – we've seen a lot of quarterbacks that start off hot and then fade – because of various different things, and a lot of it is that defensive coordinators are pretty smart. Yeah, I mean, sophomore slumps are real. Uh, that does happen. You know, I'm I'm definitely interested. Uh, talked with Chris Harris this morning on his show, just like, when are teams going to figure out a counterpunch to Tank Dell? Are they going to figure out a counterpunch to Tank Dell? Because this is a guy who hasn't faced a lot of press coverage so far, and we know he's a right. small player. The one week that he had to play against a lot of press was mostly that that Bengals game because Nico Collins didn't play and he was facing that that press coverage at the line of scrimmage because he played the X and Noah Brown did not and you know Robert right. Woods obviously was was not going to be an X in that game so you, and that wasn't one of his best performances I mean he, he was fine but he went six for fourteen in terms of catches to targets right. and and there was a lot of like mm, rough moments at the catch point rough moments in physical contact for sure so yeah there's there's definitely an element of is the league going to catch up to to, to, to Tank Dell, to CJ Stroud, to all of these guys? But just yeah. what from what I'm seeing, I do think both of I do think CJ Stroud is that guy. Like I think he is that yeah. dude. I don't think he's like a flash in the pan quarterback. I think he's a guy that if they can continue to build around him, you know, and not like let the situation go to rot. I mean, there are other quarterbacks around the league right now where it's like the chargers have let the situation to Justin Herbert go to rot, you know, and, and it's really hard when you're it's really, I've said that they're playing with like one, uh, 10 guys on offense with Quinton Johnson out there yeah. last night. It felt like they were playing with nine, you know, with like Jalen Guyton <laughs> and Alec Erickson. And I mean, Oh my God, like what are, God, what damn, is going what on doing? here? Um, it's you know, so bad. So there, so there's <laughs> Keenan Allen catches 14 passes and it's like, whoop de doo you score 14 points. So, or 10 points, so excuse bad. me. I mean, I overshot right. it there by saying 14. They didn't even get to Steelers territory for God's sake. So um, I, there's a lot of those situations where if you don't 
improve things and build around the quarterback, it can be tough. But I do, like, like I said, trust this Texans infrastructure to get that done and to continue to build around them. I would say, too, like I'm not saying that the, I don't want to be the Jags for the next sure. three years. But right. I think they're pretty well set up. Like I said, Lawrence is good. I would be totally comfortable giving him that quarterback money. He was great. Yep. I mean, great on Sunday. His one interception probably should was a, one of the many missed calls by the officials in that game. So um, in terms of it should have been a holding on Evan Ingram there. He was great. Um, he was maybe one or two throws you could nitpick. I think Lawrence is still a really quality quarterback. He probably is close to that Justin Herbert tier. If he's not in that Justin Herbert tier already, I know a lot of other people think he already is. So there, there's a lot of good there too. I think they can add to that receiver room in the off season, you know, say goodbye to Zay Jones, maybe get like a true, true X receiver there so that you can maybe bring back Ridley. A lot of, um, lot, lot of, a lot of potential there for sure. And uh, also, by the way, I would, I would throw one last thing out here. The Colts, not 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 in a bad situation the next three years either. If Anthony Richardson can come back and be healthy, because this is a yeah, team right now that is big if. big if. But they're the seventh seed in the playoffs right now. They're six and five. I think I trust them more than the Browns, who are a seed ahead of them. Um, mm. Michael Pittman, bring him back if you can bring him back. You have Josh Downs. That's a great duo there. Um, Jonathan Taylor's awesome. Shane Steichen's been great as a head coach there. Oh, yeah. The, the the AFC South don't look now might have like a lot of promise the next three years. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, and the big one is Anthony Richardson. Can he stay healthy? He's got a very long injury history. You know, I, I, the last thing I'll say about the Jaguars and we can move on is the fact that Trevor Lawrence, he doesn't get enough credit, in my opinion, for elevating these guys. Now, totally. we've been throwing roses at C.J. Stroud for elevating the play of Nico Collins and, and Tank Dell, which he absolutely has done. Noah Brown, obviously. Uh, Noah Brown, who is Noah Brown? Okay, like C.J. Stroud's elevating this guy um, to, to the point where we're taking notice of Noah Brown, for God's sakes, okay? I'm just saying, Trevor Lawrence in my opinion, has done the same damn thing in, in Jacksonville, and he doesn't get credit for it. It's almost as if people forgot that Evan Ingram was a complete reclamation project, that he was oh. an, an absolute nothing, an absolute nothing burger, uh, that, that Zay Jones was an absolute, like, nothing. Like, I get it. He, he had a good year in, in Oakland, and that's why he got sort the contract of. that he got. Yeah, sort of, you know, but like I'm just saying. He had a 36% catch rate as a rookie. Zay Jones. It's crazy, right? We're talking about a journeyman wide receiver here, right? And again, listen, you know, we, you know, we like Christian Kirk, you know, our guy, Matt Harmon loves Christian Kirk more than most other people, right? It's fine. But again, not even Matt, the, 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 with the rose colored glasses on, is not going to say Christian Kirk's a true one, Mm-mm. you know? So who are we talking about here, right? We're talking about Calvin Ridley coming off of, you know, 18 months of not playing football. Trevor Lawrence has absolutely elevated this offense, uh, and I think he's done a great job, and we don't give him enough credit for it. Um, it's almost – and I just remember this post, man, from the preseason of like, you know, this – I forgot who it was, but somebody had posted that trio of Calvin Ridley, uh, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk, and, and Evan Ingram and saying like, oh, look at the pass catchers that Trevor Lawrence has. I'm like, are we missing something here, Doug? <laughs> like what <laughs> – what are we talking about? These are this is not a great group of pass catchers. They're great. They're good because Trevor Lawrence has elevated their play. Um, anyways, that's the last thing I'll say. 
I just want to make sure that I'm I'm giving Trevor Lawrence his due. And I know people are like, ah, Trevor Lawrence, people are always talking about Trevor Lawrence. Man, he has been dealt a real bad hand, and I think he's been pretty steady. Uh, a lot of different young quarterbacks would have been absolutely broken uh, by the, 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 the terrible hand that he has been dealt early in his career. And the fact that he's still here and still doing these things, and the Jaguars are competitive and one of the top contenders in the AFC, I think that says a lot about the mental makeup of Trevor Lawrence um, as well. Okay, can we transition? These are young teams that are on the come up. I gotta Let's talk about the Rams here. Um, and it feels like they're on the opposite end of the spectrum. It almost feels as if, man, like, are we at the end of the rainbow here with the Los Angeles Rams? Cooper Cup, my God. Five targets, three, three grass for 18 yards. He's been under 50 yards in five straight games. Matt, he has been under 30 yards in four of his last five. What do we make of Cooper Cup? Yeah, it's funny. We're talking about is this the end of the rainbow for the Rams when they just blew out the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, wax. <laughs> right, that's exactly the Arizona right. Cardinals. Right, yeah. That being said, I think if you told people, oh, the Rams are going to outscore the Arizona Cardinals, what, 37 to 14, well, Cooper Cup must have gone off. I mean, Puka Nakua must have gone crazy. And instead, right. nope, it was Kyron Williams finding the end zone twice. It's the running it game. Was Tyler Higby finding the end zone. I mean, Tyler Higby, he's due for one blow up game every year. This is it. This was it. Congratulations. <laughs> Gets the Arizona I Cardinals. Mean, hell, uh, the Cardinals rush defense is so bad. Even Royce Freeman got into the end zone here, right? right? So it was Kyron Williams, Royce Freeman. It was the run game all day long. But at the end of the day, when we think about Sean McVay, obviously the run game has been pristine. It's been awesome. And really, it's been the it has been the bedrock of his offense. But what has taken the Sean McVay offense usually to the next level is the fact when you throw on a great passing game into that bedrock, oh my God, now we're really cooking with gas here. And yo, this passing game has not been good, Matt Harmon. No. Um, and, you know, I, I actually charted this Cooper Cup game this morning. Um, for one, you know, Puka gets eight targets. He goes four for 27. Matthew Stafford missed him uh, on what would have been probably a walk-in touchdown for Puka. So Puka's going to be fine. I think he's, you know, he's not going to – if you thought he was going to erupt every single week like he did to start the season, okay, well, you, you're crazy. Like, he's not he's, – yeah. he's a good player. Um, I think he's a verifiably good player, but – yeah. Oh, is he going to go crazy rest of rest of his career? Probably not, but I think he's still fine. Cup though. Right. Mm. I'm I'm a little nervous about what we're seeing out of Cooper Cup right now. And, you know, obviously this is a guy that has had a ton of injuries over the course of his career, yep. and he's had a ton of injuries over the last 4 months, you know. It's the right. hamstring right. Uh, that put him on IR, sent him to a specialist. He has an ankle that's, you know, definitely not a high ankle sprain. Don't say it's a high ankle sprain, right? Um, that's been the theme of the NFL season this year. Even Kyron Williams, they're like, ah, this is a pretty low, pretty low ankle sprain. <laughs> IR out four games. <laughs> Sean McVay, maybe not the 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 truthiest truth teller uh, when no, it comes to these no, things. Absolutely not. So, hundred percent not. You know, and then yeah. Cooper Cup's kind of limping around in this game too. You know, th that that's another thing. There's just been constant injuries. So I think what we're seeing right now with Cooper Cup is that mm -hmm. he's just not, probably not 100%. But, yeah, I mean, the guy I charted in that Arizona game, he, just not the same player. I mean, it's a sub-50% okay. success rate versus man coverage. It's a 78.6% success rate versus zone, which is, you know, fine. Mm. But it's certainly not, like, we're talking about Cooper Cup, one of the 
most right. prolific zone beaters, I mean, our subscribers know this, reception, perception, subscribers, readers, followers know that Cup is one of the best zone beating receivers in the NFL since he's come, since he's come into the league. I mean, he has the number two right. success rate versus zone coverage of all time. And he's never been like an elite A tier man beater, but he's, you know, the last couple of years, he's improved. He's improved. He's improved. Um, yeah. But I definitely think he looks a step slower right now. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're still leaking him out into the flat. You know, they're, they're still getting him on some of these slant routes and stuff like that. But, you know, the downfield stuff, there wasn't a lot of separation there. Man coverage is not a lot of separation. I just really wonder how much he trusts his his body right now. You know, he was in the couple times in this um, in this Rams game, you know, he's doing a lot of like uh, Quentin Johnson. If you watch Quentin Johnson, sorry to bring him up again and bash on him again, but if you watch him uh, like when he's running downfield routes, he's like literally yeah. he just ducks his head all the time. He's like ducking his head when he's running. I'm like, are, why are you doing that? Are you doing that because you don't know what you're doing and you're um, – and you're you're counting are you literally counting the steps on your route because you know it's like one two three four five break inside one two three four five break outside one two three four five six seven seven step drop i'm breaking on the deep route here are you counting are you literally counting your steps which would be problematic or are you trying to like build up speed duck in your head going downfield both of those would be bad for quentin johnson but cooper cup is doing some of that stuff against the rams like he, and this is not a guy that needs to be counting his steps on his routes like there's no way that's it so is he trying to like build up speed as he's weird because i just don't think he's there from a physical standpoint right now yeah. and that's just where we're at with cooper cup and um look he's a great player he's one of the best technicians in the nfl like i said he's elite, right. an elite zone beater i think i trust his um i trust his ability to kind of get back and get right but not great right now yeah, he's 30 years old, obviously coming off of a major ankle um, surgery last year and then re-injured that ankle this year, right? So um, it does beg the question of just like, okay, where are we at in terms of the the, the upward mobility here of Cooper Cup? Um, yeah, the 53% catch rate he has this year, which just, I, I just had to double check that number, 53% catch rate. It's by far the lowest of his career. He's been at or above 70% for five straight years, a 71.6% catch rate on his career, 53% catch rate this year. That's crazy. Um, it's a compounding problem too, because I do wonder if Matt Stafford, legitimately wondering if Matt Stafford is toast. He's 35 years old. He's had a lot of injuries recently. Um, and again, some of his numbers too, really looking not very good at all. 60.8% completion rate. That's the lowest since 2014. And he has been errant on some big time throws that have really uh, taken some points off the board. It's his lowest passer rating, Matt, since 2013. Okay. So we're talking a good 10 year stretch here um, where Stafford has not looked great. You factor in the age, you factor in some of the injuries as well. And it, I think it, it, it is very fair to ask whether or not Stafford is toast. Yeah, I think Stafford has played really well at times this year. It's been really intermittent, though, man. I, I totally agree with you. There are halves of football or quarters of football where you're like, yo, this is the Matt Stafford that, that we are used to seeing. He's still slinging it. He's reading the, he's reading the, he's reading the defense perfectly, um, and, he's, and he's just firing it. But, man, streaky real streaky this year yeah definitely um and they're kind of a weirdly constructed offense too 
where um, when Kyron Williams is out there, they run the ball really well, and they're a very effective run team. And, you know, Royce Freeman I actually think has been – like I was not surprised when they cut Daryl Henderson, even though that's like some yeah. cold business, man. Hey, come off the couch and help us for a few games <laughs> and then get the hell out of here. Cold <laughs> business the NFL is, but, hey, maybe Daryl Henderson just right. wanted to get, get, get the hell out of there too and get back, to, get back to hanging out. I don't know. But I wasn't surprised when they let him go over Royce Freeman because I think Royce Freeman's been Agreed. better than Daryl Henderson this year. Uh, when he's been kind of needed as that counterpunch. But Kyron has given them something both in the run and pass game. He's just been really an impressive player. Um, I'm surprising, really surprising from him. They don't need to do the, like, we're pumping hollow stats to Cooper Cup stuff like they were kind of doing last year uh, when, before he got injured and before Matthew Stafford got injured. It was like, well, nothing else is really working for us. So, like, even though we're getting our ass kicked, let's just pump the ball to Cooper Cup 13 times a game. <laughs> they have uh-huh. a lot of alternatives right now. I wouldn't say they have any, like, elite alternatives, but obviously, like, no. Puka, even since Cooper Cup has been back – leads the team with a 30.5% share of the first three targets. Now, Cooper Cup isn't far behind, but still, he's been the leader in terms of end zone targets, six end zone targets. Um, right. He's been good from um, from a yards per reception standpoint, a yards after catch, yards after contact per reception. You know, Puka's been good there. Um you know, he has a 27% target share, 22.4% for Cooper Cup. So they're kind of seeding some stuff to him. You know, Tutu Atwell is still doing stuff where, you know, he has three catches for 76 yards. I don't think he's ever going to be a consistent player, but he's so critical to that, like, pre-snap motion stuff that they do that they're oh, going to totally. get him on some downfield looks, and, you know, Higby is Higby. So it's, like, really interesting, the offense right now, because I can't tell if they have a good supporting cast or just, like, a – okay version of especially with this version of cooper cup and okay uh supporting staff for matthew stafford I, if cooper cup is healthy it's a good one mm-hmm. you know cooper cup puka nakua you, you really i just think from a pass catch standpoint again if cooper cup is right and he's actually not you know toast if he's actually just if health is the only reason that's that's holding him back right now you really can't ask for too much more from from a pass catching group than Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua mm-hmm. you can always fill in that third wide receiver spot um and the creativity of Sean McVay to get anything out of Tutu well I think it really speaks to the coaching um uh you know job that they're doing in LA um, I'm actually more than anything, man. I, I've actually been impressed with their defense because their defense has like no one on it. And again, I get it. Okay, uh, you've got a, one of the baddest men on the planet. You know, anchor in the middle of that somebody, defensive line. One somebody. You've got one guy. You've got Thanos in the middle. All right. <laughs> you've got Aaron Donald, aka Thanos, in the middle of that defensive line. But look at everyone else. Who are these guys, man? Kirkland Brand defensive players all over the field. <laughs> Uh, and I've been so impressed with what they've been doing defensively. But I do think, man, it is a very fair question to ask. Like, yo, are we – I know we're on the downswing of Matt Stafford's career, but Tom Brady has spoiled it for everybody else, man. It's like, yo, 35 years old, he's going to be 36 next year. 
uh, it used to be a thing, man, where you couldn't really get to these ages without seeing a cliff. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just wondering, are we on the are, are we on the precipice of that cliff right now with Matt Stafford? I, I think the warning signs are there. Yeah, and I think what's definitely clear is that they need to have a better plan at backup quarterback than they did this year. I mean, I don't know. Like, why didn't you just have Carson Wentz around? And look, I'm not a Carson Wentz guy, okay? Uh, a bit, yeah. Very far from it. But why didn't you just have him around – from the beginning as your backup quarterback. Like, why did you just try to go with Brett Rippon? I know they drafted Stetson Bennett and they were really excited about Stetson Bennett. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then right. he's not been around for you know, maybe some, <laughs> I don't know, reasons. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think they definitely need to start thinking like life after Matthew Stafford. Because I would push back that he's right. looked cooked or he's done or anything like that. I, like I said, I think he's played well in spurts on a team that has you know mm-hmm. some good players but isn't like loaded by any means but more than more than good enough i'm with you that if cooper cup is healthy yeah. although is cooper cup healthy that's that's kind of the whole point of this segment what we're right. talking about here and they had him run flat routes on 31 percent of his routes in this game against the cardinals like he's just they're just not really trying to get him going downfield or anything because i don't know like and it's, yeah, he it's, don't got it he doesn't got it right now and like um, hopefully he gets it back. I'd really love for him to get it back because I think he's got the yeah. type of game that can age well, but he has to like age healthily. You know, he can't be right like aging through right. the meat grinder or something like that, which is kind of where both of these guys, Cup and Stafford, are right now because Stafford's been dealing with injuries. But when he's healthy, I still think Stafford's a perfectly good and like needle moving starting quarterback. But how much longer is he going to be that? Like, I think this right. next year, if Sean McVay truly is, like, engaged and he's going to stick around, like, mm-hmm. they need to start thinking about what's the next guy that McVay can start grooming and maybe Stafford can start grooming. I think they need to start thinking about that future. Yeah, I think they do. Absolutely. Um, he's certainly at that age. I mean, again, uh, Tom Brady's just ruined it for everyone, where everyone thinks you could get to, like, 38, 39, 40 and still be a super high-level player, where the history of humankind, the history of the NFL tells you otherwise, man. But um, we'll see where Stafford is at. Uh, it's at, Like I said, it's at least worth asking that question. Okay. Um, let, me ask, uh, let me ask you a little bit about this. I very, I, I almost never, Matt, uh, and you know this, I never ask you to, to chart a guy. Um, but I may ask you this time to chart Chris Godwin because we are seeing a guy that is, I don't know, he's just not an impact player right now. He's a guy. He's literally a guy uh, right now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And for for me, um, we are the alignment kings here on this show. Uh, so I did have to look into this here because I, I, I was visually kind of surprised by this. But Chris Godwin has primarily been a slot man throughout his entire career. And I think people know that, right? Mm-hmm. Last year played 70% of his snaps out of the slot. Lined up as an inside wide receiver last year, and he was pretty darn good. This year, that's flipped on its head. I just looked this up. 65% of his snaps have been lined up out wide, Matt. I, I'm a little bit confused by that. 27 years old. He's averaging just 4.8 receptions per game, just 55 yards per game with a 64% catch rate. I bring up those numbers because all of those are the lowest marks that he has had since 2018, which was the second year in the league for Chris Godwin. So let me ask you this. Is it quarterback? Is it usage? Is it alignment? Is it declining skills? What is it with Chris Godwin right now? A couple things here. Uh 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, one, and I think longtime RP followers would know this, I love Chris Godwin's game. Um, I was a big mm-hmm. fan of his when he was coming out of the Penn State, was coming into the league. Uh, I loved him in that 2017 draft. I was like, I remember being like, what are we doing that Chris Godwin is still available in the third round? Like, what is going right. on here? I loved Chris Godwin. I thought he should have been a first-round pick in that draft. Um in, you know, I think that take has aged well. I think like his, yes. his, his, his RP metrics have been really good at times this year. Certainly not, or not this year, but certainly throughout the course of his career, not necessarily at the elite tier or anything like that, but he's been a very good and very productive player. Um, I do think some of his stats under the Tom Brady offense were a little pumped up by these like screens and and you know the Brady stuff like to his slot receiver yeah you know, the, the getting mm-hmm. the ball out quick not wanting to get hit like I said those screen passes which were almost like um, an extension of the run game at times for the Brady Bucks I think some of that pumped him up a little bit but he had a great year uh, with Jameis Winston at the quarterback position because he yep. could like beat man coverage and win downfield as like that vertical slot big power slot guy so um, I don't think Chris Godwin has ever been like I think I don't think he's ever been an elite receiver in the league, but I think he's been a very good receiver in the league. Um, but I hear your points this year that you know we're off that we're a year off the ACL, and you know his man coverage and press coverage scores definitely declined from in in twenty twenty two when he was coming off that ACL tear. Which is it's kind of funny that we've gotten to this point where like ah yeah ACL tear it's like nothing anymore. But like some of these right. guys just get sometimes <laughs> yeah, exactly. like some of these guys just get wrecked by it. Like Corlin Sutton, it took mm-hmm. him a while to get back. You know, oh it, yeah. Like Michael Gallup, well, I don't know if he'll ever get back. You know, some of I these guys, so, yeah, yeah. Some of these guys, it just doesn't happen like that. Sometimes it takes a year. Sometimes it, they just, I don't know, they're just not the same guy. Even if it's just from a confidence standpoint, I don't know if that's the case with Chris Godwin. I do think um, not playing in the slot is an issue for him, especially at this phase of his career. Um, you know, I, I would say, though, the, the biggest problem for Chris Godwin right now is that he's not Mike Evans. Like, Mike Evans is balling this year. I mean, oh, he's yeah. unbelievably oh. good. And Chris Godwin, as much as I like, Chris Godwin, he's never been like a top 10 receiver in the league. Like Mike Evans has been a top 10 receiver in the league. He's probably like right. a future hall of famer. And, yep. you know, I thought maybe, okay, kind of takes maybe a step back last year, but not really with the Brady, uh, you know, bucks. They overused him kind of on vertical routes, but he's been awesome on vertical routes. He's been awesome on all the, all the things where he's always been good at with the bucks this year. There's been no decline in him physically. He's clearly like, Yo, pay me money after this year. Like, if it's bu- if it's the Bucks, <laughs> if it's somebody else, I'm still yeah. at the height of my powers. I'm still an elite number one receiver in this league, uh, or at least a, a really high end superstar receiver in this league. Like that, I'm that guy. And like, there's just not a lot left over for Chris Godwin right now. Like, why would they go out of their way to feed Chris Godwin? You know, 
double digit targets, which they've only done once this year. It's a lot of like seven, seven, six, six, mm-hmm. you know, seven. It's, there's a lot of those target totals in Chris Godwin's game log. And like, it kind of makes sense because Evans is the fun is the functional like engine of your offense. And he's been a great player. I think that's the biggest problem for Chris Godwin is, is like, they just need him to be a supporting character. And when you're a supporting character in Baker Mayfield's offense, like there's just not going to be uh-huh. a lot left over for you. <laughs> yeah, no, like I said, I, I am very intrigued by the, the, the coach's decision actually in regards to the alignment, you know, like, you have a guy who is a certified baller from the slot. I don't understand why at this point in his career, you would then decide, well, let's see if he could play some outside flanker more. Like, I just, I'm confused by that, you know? And, and again, it's not as if there's some young cat who's pushing him as an inside receiver. They got nobody. <laughs> yeah. They got nobody. Like Trey like, Palmer, who's a rookie. Yeah, who, he's had some uh, moments, but... These guys are, you know, these guys are guys. You know what I mean? Like, I don't understand. Um, and again, not to, you know, belittle some of these other players that they've got in a Tampa Bay Bucks uniform, but they're just not on the same level as Chris Godwin is the point that I'm making, right? There's no there's no shame in that. Chris Godwin's a damn good player. So I, I just, I think it's a curious decision. I'm not a big fan of the coaching staff. You guys know that. Uh, but I do think it's it's just... Not just a curious decision. I think it's a bad decision. I'll just call it what it is. I think it's a bad decision by the coaching staff to then say, all right, at this point in your career, Chris, we're going to go ahead and stick you outside and see, let's see what we got because we're, we're going to try to build this offense around Chris Go- or uh, around Baker Mayfield. I mean, come on. W- what are we doing out here, Tampa Bay? I mean, stop it. You've got a great player, Chris Godwin. Why are you moving him around? Just let him be an absolute beast on the inside like he's been for the majority of his career <laughs> and just figure it out from there. I just, I'm confused. I, I don't know. Sometimes these coaches, man, they try to overthink it. And I think that's what we got here in Tampa Bay. Yeah. And I mean, just from like a routes perspective, you know, this, this is an 11 personnel offense since week five. Um, Chris Godwin actually leads the team in routes. Then it's Dot, and then it's Mike Evans and then it's Trey Palmer. It's not like they have a tight end. They have one other tight end, Payne Durham is behind even Devin Tompkins. Uh, it was a depth receiver for this team in terms of routes run. So it's not as if it's like right. a two tight end offense or they're using a bunch of different like two back sets and stuff like that. It's mostly an 11 personnel offense. And, you know, they're just putting Trey Palmer as their primary slot receiver. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. For sure. I, I, I really, I really don't understand it. Um, whatsoever. So we'll see. Um, obviously nothing's going to change for this year. Uh, I do wonder, and it's fair to wonder what happens with Tampa Bay from a top down perspective. Um, you know, kind of sort of moving forward, um, you know, after this year, there's really kind of sort of been no impetus for them to make a change. I would say, you know, cause they've kind of sort of been hanging around, hanging around and they haven't been like been destroyed in a lot of games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but again, it's not like it's not like they're good. That that's for damn sure. You know they've got four wins on the season. They've lost what? Uh, what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six out of the last seven games. They've lost six out of the last seven games. A lot of them have been close. A lot of them have been close. Three point loss to Atlanta. Uh, a one score game to Buffalo. A two two point loss to to Houston. So you know, and a one score loss here in week number twelve to Indianapolis. But if this continues and they just slide into oblivion, I I definitely would not be surprised to see Tampa Bay move on 
uh, from this current coaching staff. But uh, but let's see what happens, man. This could be a, a absolute kind of changing of the guard. Obviously, it was with Tom Brady moving on, but I don't know. Maybe they decide to kind of just press that reset button. Um, after 2023, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. So that's your show, man. Um, I, we definitely appreciate all the support that we've gotten in recent weeks, uh, especially on the podcast side. Uh, you guys have been great. Uh, but if you guys would recommend our show to a friend or a family member, that would be awesome as well. But go, be sure to go to the website, receptionperception.com. All right. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you. And remember, it's never too late to just dreams. Peace.